outcome. And I believe in the market that we're now in, uh, with also a little bit challenging environment, I think it's the best time to invest, you know, early. There's a... Um, there's so much talent there. The price is uh, adjusted again, very favorable, um, and the team's working harder. And, and right now there's gem creation, and this will go on the next two, three years. And I believe that this is the best vintage out of the last 50 years. We had Robin Haag on the board. Robin Haag is a solo GP based out of Berlin. Through his fund, Robin Capital, Robin primarily invests in angel pre-seed and seed stages of companies. Prior to founding Robin Capital, Robin was an entrepreneur and, and an early stage and growth stage investor. We covered a wide range of topics starting from what led him into the world of venture capital, what was the founding story of Robin Capital, what's the portfolio construction of Robin Capital, how does he source, evaluate, pick and win deals, how does he help portfolio founders, why he thinks this is the best time to invest in early stage startups and investing in Emerging fund managers is a great opportunity. Now I bring you Robin. All right, Robin, thank you so much for coming on the pod. It's my very pleasure to be here today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, I'm looking forward to Robin. Uh, you know, you 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 founded an accelerator. And then you founded a company, uh, Job Spotting, which later got acquired by Smart Recruiters. And post that, you worked at a, a growth fund. Uh, and later or now, you know, you've decided to launch your own fund, which is Robin Capital. Maybe you can talk us, uh, you know, through your journey of getting into angel investing, and then what was the thought process behind launching Robin Capital? Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, I know it's all very various. There's so many stations in my life. Everything came by coincidence. Uh, I finished my MBA and started in mergers acquisitions in a, in a publishing company acquiring, uh, or the company wanted to digitize and we were late buy and hold strategy buying digital companies back then in 2008 plus. And when I started then to, to 10, I believe there was not much and we were kind of one of the rare exit solutions. And this is when I first got in contact with uh, all this digital community. There was no startup community. It was more rocket internet in, in Germany and Europe um, and a couple of others. And, and that was basically it. And then I started there as a trainee, analyst, associate, the classic thing in a, in a suit and a tie and working spreadsheets uh, 100 hours a week and sleeping in the office, basically. I, I left uh, uh, go, going home 3 a.m., coming 7.30 uh, before the, my boss, the CFO, later the CEO, then the CTO I was working for. It was a great journey. And then by coincidence, we met a guy in America called Saita Amidi, a Persian, uh, an amazing human being who had already been doing this for quite some time, investing in startups earlier stage. I think uh, Urban Legend, Google, but for sure PayPal um, and, uh, and Dropbox and a couple of other success stories. To date, I think he has invested in over 4,000 companies and this was an accelerator. And back then there was only plug and play. There was YC and there was Seedcamp. And he wanted to have a joint venture with Axel Springer. And this was a pretty crazy idea, I think, to them because, you know, late stage EBITDR, multiple profitable companies to very early on doing an accelerator. And then they mm -hmm. asked me if I could review this opportunity. So I did, and I had the due diligence and my, my colleague uh, ran the, uh, the presentation for the board, and then we went to the board and we presented this, and I said it's actually a good idea. <laughs> and then I said, right, then then you do it. And I was like, okay, I do it. And then they were, yeah. but Robin, 
this is operative business. Like you have to work there actually, like you have to do it yourself. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. That's a great idea. <laughs> so yeah. they gave me the old um, emergency place. So the idea was that uh, for, for, for writing newspaper for the journalists. So the idea was if Axel Springer in the third world War would be bombed, there is a secret place where you could still work and produce newspaper because it's so important uh, to, to bring news to, to the public. And so we worked from there and then we, we made it a space. Um, I, I had to learn everything we had to set up a mentor network and so on, so on, so on. And, and it was, it was crazy and I really loved it and I loved investing and I loved being so close to the founders and I loved being early stage. And I was very fortunate because the fund it's P and L investing, of course, with the 50, 50 joint venture access and plug and play, but if it would be a fund, um, then it would have a good performance because my very first investment that I let, I met them on a conference, is a neobank. Um, back then, it was a PayPal a credit card for children and it pivoted into a neobank called N26. So this fund theoretically would have a very good performance for that one reasoning. Um, and I did this for a couple of years. Um, and uh, during my time, I invested in 50 companies. And then I had two problems. One was that I was kind of, I didn't know where to go next in this corporate structure. I had many ideas like a follow-up fund, a prorata, super prorata fund, you know, mm -hmm. uh, something to, so, so a venture fund, whatever, like seed camp from Accelerator yeah. now is more like a venture fund. So I had the same idea, like Reshma going the same direction, but I couldn't. This was one. And number two was I could have been an investor now the last 10 years, and then I would have probably an amazing track record. But I had the feeling, who am I to tell anyone? This is my personal feeling. It can be different for anyone. But for me, it was, who am I to tell anyone the fuck what to do, you know? Because I was sitting there, and yes, we had a mentor network, and we had operator network, and we had hundreds of people, and, and we brought them, and we had a demo day, and we got the investors, and all of these things. And I helped people because I saw lots of slides how to do it, but I've never done it myself. So mm -hmm. I was just, you know, there was this spark and this idea inside of me. I, I'm, I'm crazy myself and hopefully in a positive way, as some people would say. And then I thought, okay, I should do something myself. And then there was an opportunity that three of, uh, three friends that I became dear friends with who are ex Googlers. They were for 20 years at Google, um, accumulated. <laughs> so like <laughs> I think eight, eight and, uh, I don't know, a couple of years, like each, um, and, and they were in the, in the data quality search team, uh, running the algorithm and building it in the first hundred employees in, in Dublin, in Europe. And the idea was pretty intriguing to me. I loved it. Uh, helping humans to find a job because what's the most important thing, what's the most important decision in your life is probably who you marry. And then it's probably where you want to work, you know, like eight hours a day or more. So I love the idea of bringing people to jobs at scale and, and doing something good and having kind of an impact to, to really um, positive impact on, on every single individual. Back then there was, you know, today it's pretty easy, artificial intelligence, automated matching, personalization, graphs, you know, <laughs> this is clear, <laughs> but then I had to explain this, you know, yeah. we, so there, it's basically job spotting the, the company that we then founded where I took over the, the business part. Um, this was like Netflix or Spotify for jobs. So instead of having 20 tabs open and, and different search engine, you could go to us. It's all accumulated um, at one stop solution. But then you also have an AI layer on top of it, which would personalize the job search. It's very complicated and it's very tough. And until today, no one has really solved it. I think LinkedIn is probably the closest now to, to achieving this. And I'm in the advisory board of Stepstone, which is the third biggest uh, search engine for jobs in the world. And they are also working on this. So it's still a big topic and a big problem to solve. I really loved it. Uh, we raised from Horizon Ventures, Pre-Seed Seed. Um, we came to a point where we were almost 30 people, profitable and growing. 
but it was not this hardcore venture case of, you know, hockey stick. And, and I didn't foresee it because we grew organically. So we had like 3 million users in 12 countries, four languages, thousands of landing pages, but we couldn't compete one-on-one -on, -one on performance marketing. You know, I couldn't spend more money. Like I give you 10 million, I put it in and then fuel on fire and then, but this didn't work. So we had to wait. And for this organic growth, we decided to think about strategic opportunities. And I met Jerome Tannick, the founder of SmartCurs. At the time we got, uh, we were also in, in talks with LinkedIn, with Randstad, with others. And we actually got a couple of offers, which really great. But Jerome mm -hmm. from uh, Smart Recruiters made us a very particular offer. He said, you want to do the same thing I want to do. You want to bring people to jobs at scale. You want to help, you know, you are who you hire. And, but then also with the idea on the other side on the B2B part that we were already working on and solving the, the client and the customer and give them an opportunity to have an amazing tool at scale. And then you have all these job seekers for free because they would apply through the clients anyway that you would work with. So we merged our company. I, so I, I had an exit, but we all merged and I became a shareholder at Smart Recruiters. And then mm -hmm. I partly moved to San Francisco. Uh, I took care of global operations and together with Jerome, we scaled the company. When I joined, there were a hundred. Now it's 550 people. It's a profitable company. Let's say around the hundred million ARR. Um, mm -hmm. And I learned a lot on scaling this, you know, from from becoming a leader, having a leadership team, management team, and um, uh, hiring a couple more hundred people. You, it, it's uh, it was an interesting journey, and also being in America and a different kind of culture that you work with, and and with such amazing talent, you know, everybody you would work with is maybe a former VP at Salesforce or SVP at Salesforce, and and then you would work with them and and learn from them. And this was such an amazing journey. And together with Jerome, I raised Series D with Inside Partners, 50 million. And then later I stayed, after three years, I left full-time, but then I stayed as an advisor and we raised Series E, 110 million with Silver Lake and, uh, and so on and so on. And now I left and Jerome is a chairman and the company's growing and doing very well, but handled others. Um, and I left and I was thinking about what to do. And everybody put me in this founder thing, you know, because I, I speak like this and I am like this. And so people thought this is, this is where I am. But the, the truth is that my dream job was always this access bring up plug and play thing. Really. I loved it. Loved it. Blessed, grateful being with them. But now I knew how to help finally, you know, you want to hire mm -hmm. someone, you want to scale something, you want to raise Sears. B, C, D, E, whatever you want to do, you know, I've been there before. I, I would love to help. I want to be in service, <clears throat> but I didn't know where to go. And I was coincidence. It was all coincidence approached by Vevaya growth fund. They built this first fund. So it wasn't there yet. Really. They, they had raised the first, um, the first, uh, millions and and they had did the first uh, two investments and then they asked me if i want to create this first time fund with them. and then mm -hmm. uh, i joined as a third partner third general partner with alice and delina and together we raised uh, 250 million euro 50 million above target with the uh, bigger lps like generali allianz and so on um and yeah, and then we had a portfolio construction on, we wanted to invest in 15 companies. We spoke would be CRC lead, but flexible uh, from B to pre-IPO. And even with our partner, Sycomore, it's like 9 billion AOM uh, public market investor. We invested public market crossover fund. Uh, and I learned a lot. And on top of it, um, we also, we are B Corp labeled and it's, it's ESG is very important for us in, in part of uh, sourcing, selecting and servicing. Mm -hmm. And then, I 
yeah, we raised this fund and then we deployed this fund. We invested in companies such as Algolia, Aerocall, yeah. CoreLogix, Platform SH, Frontify in Switzerland. It was my lead. Um, and yeah, we had a really good time. Now they're raising the second fund and there's mm -hmm. already something happening I can't speak about, but it's going very well. Um, and I'm very happy for them, but I figured that I would love to be earlier. I want to go back to my dream job that I had 10 years before mm -hmm. <laughs> working early hands on, but then how amazing is this? You invest in a pre-seed company and then you go IPO with them 12 years later, you know, that, that is the dream or 10 years later, whatever, eight years later, <laughs> depending on how fast you are, but this was, this is the dream and then being there all the time. So I would be the guy that you call before you go into your board meeting. I'm your trusted partner. I'm the one where the founders would refer and say, Robin is the best guy at servicing. Nobody can better service. <laughs> I don't know. This is the ambition, but I want to work really, really, really hard with the founders that I do my best to make them successful and, and help wherever I can based on the knowledge that I have gained over, over the last uh, couple of years. And for that reason, everybody was pushing me a little bit into the direction said, why don't you become a solution? Well, become a solution. And, um, there's a trend, of course, and everybody talks about it, but the truth also, there's not many. <laughs> so it's like mm -hmm. solo GP everywhere, but there are not many solo GPs. So in DAH, I believe there's four solo GPs um, and only one other person does B2B like I do. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a good market. And also fairly honest, it's always the question, maybe a financial reasoning too. You ask yourself um, where, you know, like planning for your future, <laughs> where's a good outcome? And I believe in the market that we're now in, uh, with also a little bit challenging environment, I think it's the best time to invest, you know, early. There's uh, um, th there's so much talent there. The price is uh, adjusted again, very favorable, um, and the team's working harder. And, and right now there's gem creation, gem creation. And this will go on the next two, three years. And I believe that this is the best vintage out of the last 50 years. And in 10 years from now, we will know. But that's, that's my clear belief. And for that reason, it just made sense uh, to go into this market. And yeah, I've just started. Uh, I've, I started Fundraise and now I'm finishing this. I started doing Robin Capital. Um, and this is the end of story. Why Robin Capital? It's my name, Robin, but Robin is the Christmas bird. You know, this little chubby bird with this red mm -hmm. chest. Robin, yeah. Robin from the Jackson 5. He rocks. <laughs> yeah. This guy, right, the website, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's a cutie and uh, he makes people happy. And if you don't know me, you think it's Robin Capital, the bird. And if you know me, it's Robin. So because I want to take responsibility and accountability with my own name, because solo GPY, you know, so this is why I added this and yeah, the, the rest got I it, got questions it. about the fund, but end of story. Now it's Robin Capital started. In yeah. What a, what, a, what a journey it has been, uh, Robin. 10 years back, you, you figured, okay, this is my calling, uh, which is investing, uh, at, at the earliest stages and help founders, not just investing. And, uh, but for that, you wanted to learn, uh, yourself, uh, you know, just like in tennis, but you want to be a tennis coach or tennis player, and then you can become a tennis coach. And that's what you did, you know, through your experiences of founding the company, selling it. And then, of course, later on working at growth stage fund. So you understand from pre-seed to IPO uh, cycle. And I totally agree with you, Robin. Probably, uh, if not the best, one of the best times to invest uh, now, uh, given, you know, as you said, like the market has adjusted and uh, and in general, it's, it's a great time. Uh, Robin, maybe you can tell us a bit about, you know, uh, the portfolio construction 
of Robin Capital? Uh, what sectors, uh, you said B2B, uh, what check sizes, what stages uh, that you're investing in? Sure, sure. Um, it's good to make a benchmark or like at least a comparison on why here. So at Axel Springer Plug and Play, it's like an index fund, right? So you invest in a hundred companies and then you have a couple of outliers. So even one outlier could still end to 10x performance of the whole fund because you go in so early. And then mm -hmm. what's up with my hair? Uh, and then um, at Revive <laughs> and growth, it's it's very different because you um, the, the the prospect maybe say two and a half x, and the ambition when you invest is five x, and maybe it's even more. But um, you you basically it's about also ownership. You want to be flexible, but there is of course a certain amount of ownership. And um, you have a different exit horizon, so the average exit horizon would probably be four years in, instead of maybe ten years uh, or eight years. Um, and, and then, uh, you would invest in 15 lines, right? And so I think if, if we talk about portfolio constructions, the, the probably the things are the, the geo, where do you want to invest? Uh, and the vertical you want to invest and then the stage you want to invest. And I, obviously I adjusted it a little bit to my learning, uh, and what, what I've learned over the last, uh, over 12 years. And, and and build it around this. So what I'm doing is in terms of stage, it's a pre-seed seed. So it's 52 to 100K tickets. This is 60% pre-seed of the portfolio. And then there is uh, uh, the 40% seed, which is 52, 600K um, in, into a seed stage. On location mm -hmm. and, and geo, it's for me, it's mainly DAF. Why? Because my, my, I just live here and it's easy for me and, and I see a lot of deals. Then Europe, same there. I, I lived in France. I, I worked with Slash in, in the advisory board for three years in the Nordics. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, I also lived in many other places in, in Spain and in Austria. And so everywhere I, I see once in a while something. And then this is where the rest of the portfolio goes. And then occasionally I, I allow myself a tiny bit to US and Israel as I have lived there and worked there. That if I see something that is favorable, that, that I have opportunity. Um, so. Yeah, and on, on vertical, that's the, the third piece of portfolio construction, I would say. Oh, sorry, this is 35 lines in, in my particular case here. Um, and, and on this, it's B2B SaaS. Uh, ideally, it resonates with me. So I like when it goes enterprise or has opportunity to enterprise. So I, I need to imagine this can make 100 million ARR. Um, and I need to imagine this journey that we went with smart recruiters. And I want to have opportunity to go this journey again in a different way. In vertical can be various, you know, this can be HR tech, which I'm very biased because I have worked in, in, in this field in future of work, but also, I mean, I have reviewed 8,000 pitches or more in my life, um, over all these years. And, uh, of course there's a lot of knowledge and having invested in those companies in DevOps, in cybersecurity, in, in other fields. And as you maybe know, um, from inside partners, we had this benchmark that they don't, the variety of how they scale is not so different, right? Even healthcare mm -hmm. or HR, or, you know, it's only 30% because ultimately it's, it's a similar game. It's go to market. You have this product that you're selling and then you have, uh, there's a, there's an attainment, uh, there's a sales efficiency, there's a reps, there's AE, there's a ratio of those, there's street quotas, quotas, there's win and close rates. There's a pipe that you create and you go through the pipe and, and all of these things, these dynamics are, similar and you can create a machine over time. And when, when you, when you see your B plus, you have this onboarding for your sales team and your, your marketing creating the pipe and, and then you go through it. And, and this is always very similar. So I can adapt this and for everything I can't adapt. 
uh, that I don't have knowledge myself. Then mm -hmm. uh, if it's if it's tech uh, product uh, or deep architecture, whatever, then there I have a, a operator network. And the good thing on the operator network is not just people that I'm asking, hey, you know, I I, I want you to make you part of my operator network because mm -hmm. I would you like to work with me? It's someone who I have worked with in the trenches. Like we went there and we sold and we, we were in front of Bosch, Ikea, Twitter, LinkedIn, our customers. And, and it was about everything. And it was a high ACV deal. And you, you go there together. And I was like, you want to give back to opportunity uh, to the community. You want to work with the founders that I invest. It would be my biggest honor if you would spend time. And now these people work at Atlassian. They work at Checker. They work at, and they run the hundred million ARR responsibility only for them as what they do. And they now work uh, with mm -hmm. the portfolio and this I'm flattered and honored that they do, but this is how this was already servicing, but yeah, overview on what I do and where I invest. Yeah. So, you know, you touched upon a uh, lot of the, uh, or I would say the deal flow uh, is coming, you know, through the uh, relationships you've built and that's around, you know, operators. Now they're working at massive companies. Uh, you know, maybe we can double click on this and expand on it, Robin. How do you, again, like, you know, source, uh, how do you pick? And, you know, of course, uh, importantly, how do you win and, and how do you uh, serve them as well, uh, which is uh, helping out the portfolio uh, companies? Sure, sure. I mean, on, on, on sourcing, it's ridiculous, right? Because if you're an LP and you review all these pitch decks, they all have this one slide. There's like, we, we, we have a flywheel. It's a flywheel. And, and we, and then they come up with this massive idea of how, who, where, which operator and angel network and syndicate and, and which events and they're cooperating and they would bring it. Deals. And, um, then again, the question is how big are you? How many people work with you? And then how many boots are on the ground, like making it work? And, and then you maybe have 5,000 plus deals a year. For me, it's very different. I'm just a solo GP. I'm, it's just me. And I just want to do the best I can servicing the best founders. So I receive 50 to 100 deals a month, which I'm blessed uh, that, that the amount is so high, just me being alone. And I would say a lot of them is really referral from founders. Um, so, so founders understand I'm a founder. I work hard. I have been in the trenches. I have embraced the pain just like them. Resilience, patience, persistence, all of these things. And, and, and I, and I love them and I'm so much in awe with them and for that. And they feel it. And I have so much respect for them. And I think for that reason, and from the portfolio right now, but also for all the people I've worked with in the past, they sent me things that rather other VCs or anybody doesn't know about it yet. So it's a cool deal or someone starting something that is like tier one amazing founder, tier entrepreneur, and then Robin, you should talk. Or B, it's the opposite. There is a round that there is a lead already that's 500% oversubscribed and everybody wants to be in, but then it's like, yes, guys, but you, you, you should, you should talk to Robin because he could really make a difference. And I work really, really hard and spend all my time that I create this, that, that people would say, yeah, what, what, how, how, doesn't matter how oversubscribed you are. Robin has very flexible tickets and you want him to be part of it. And then I want to be the guy that is so close to you that you call before you go into the work meeting. But this aren't sourcing. So of, of course I do other things too, right? I go somewhere, I scout, I, I go to Madrid and I, I call the people that I know where I would call Juan, the founder of Job Intelligence, and say, hey, who are the top 10 companies I spoke, should speak to? And the same in Paris uh, where I used to live with Revaya and what, what deals were too early for you? 
Um, and, and of course, there you go to conferences and so on. And of course, I also speak with other VCs and, and they would bring me on and think, yeah, we have a deal here and do you want to be part of it? Mm -hmm. But I don't want to be the guy who is calling all the other VCs and say like, oh, can I piggyback on your deal? Because then I'm an index fund, you know, and my LPs shouldn't be invested in an index fund. I want to be a high conviction fund. So I want to see deals that others don't. I want to do deals that others don't. And I want to make them successful. And then Sequoia Capital Index or Excel are investing on top of it. So for mm -hmm. me also, pricing is important to a certain point. You know, I, I understand that emerging managers often want to collect logos. So they, they, they want to make sure during fundraise that they can prove they invest with the best tier one. But yeah. I think this way, it's very hard to make a 5X fund. Because if you go on these pricings with Andreessen and so on, and you, you are capable of doing this because their principles are your best friends from back then, good for you. But mm -hmm. I don't think this is how you create out performing fund because ultimately you want to be in there before the others and then they, you want to bring it to them. So I have a very good connection with all of these funds because I raced with them. It's different. Mm -hmm. If, if you go series B, C, D, E and you go to, um, Sequora and recent index Excel founders fund and so on. And they have been in your data room and you have pitched them and you talk to them over several weeks and this for years, because you raise series, uh, every series you, you, again, you went there and they saw your process as a hardworking founder. There is a level of trust. This is one and two is with Revaya and a couple of others and my angel portfolio and so on. I have a lot of co-investments. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm co-invested with, uh, uh, so, so I give you an example, Bessemer, right? So Byron from Bessemer. Uh, I pitched him on D, I pitched him on E, um, we co-invested on a company called Get Accept uh, with Rebaya, um, not him personally, a colleague of his at Bessemer, but if I would send him a portfolio company of mine now, I think they, they would think, okay, it's from Robin, like we should have a look and they would take it yeah. serious. So this this may be on, on how I invest, so try high conviction, but following and I, and I get the deals from the founders mainly and the VCs are my best friends and I'm collaborating. I'm, I'm, I want to be friends with everyone. So I have mm -hmm. small and flexible tickets because I don't want to compete. And then I want to bring them the best deals. Um, and then on the, on the other question was on, on picking, uh, pricing is important and the rest is, um, I, I have these venture partners and I have operator network and so on. So some deals like up to four or five people review them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm super fast because I really, really understand it uh, because in my field, but sometimes I'm not. And, and then it just takes, but I, even this, I make very fast. It's within days, right? And then I call my friends and then I ask, can you call tomorrow? And then we try to proceed very fast and uh, create high conviction. Um, and then, yeah, pricing to a certain point. So I passed a lot of deals with big logos because the pricing wasn't right. And then obviously amazing team. Big market is not as important as everybody says. I understand if General Atlantic says, I want to invest in big market. Yeah, obviously, it clear yeah. for me at your stage. But if someone early stage says big market, I'm like, if it's a 10 billion market, I'm okay with this. <laughs> you know, it doesn't have to be a $200 billion market or more. Yeah. So I have also different views than others on this. And then maybe the last one is servicing, right? So yeah, I don't know, many things. We have meetups. I make a big annual meeting next year on a mountain, on a farm in Austria, in Carinthia, uh, where Fabrice, uh, we talked about Fabrice earlier before we started, is coming. Uh, Fabrice Kenda from FJ Labs and uh, Jerome Tannik from Smart Recruiters and Reno Visage from Eventbrite. They all work with me to a certain point or invested in me and they are coming and then the portfolio is coming and then for the other LPs are coming. And this is 
um, this is just great. And then we have the Christmas dinner, but then also there's uh, over a hundred operators in the network uh, that, yeah. that I would help you from product tech. Um, it can be even design editors. My recent requests were uh, on press releases, on communications. Um, another one was on product. So I just, I ad hoc, you just call me and then I find it for you. I even hustle for you. So one of my founders, they wanted to have the head of product of like a un very famous unicorn in Germany. And they wanted the, 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 the guy, the, like the most famous one. And I said like, okay, let me call to that guy. So I poached mm -hmm. him for 90 minutes and I, I gave him the speech and now he works at the portfolio company mm -hmm. uh, because <laughs> I convinced him that this is the better deal. Yeah. So I try to work as hard as I can in the servicing part. Got it. Uh, no, uh, totally agree there. You know, founders actually has the best deal flow out there. Uh, any good founder starting up, they're going to reach out to their friend and coworkers. And it seems like for you, you have a very strong founder network and then, uh, you know, outbound as well. You're pretty proactive and thoroughly you have the trust, uh, you know, with other uh, late stage firms or, or series A, series B. Uh, you created a you know ecosystem around you and robin with this will transition into fundraising you know this is uh, your first time fundraising for your own fund uh, how has that been what's the process been like how do you source lps what kind of lps do you reach out to and uh, why are they looking to invest in you yeah by the way i'm also my my main thing for the founders is me playing a mini m a boutique this is what I love most on servicing, right? If you do your next round, I will help you on the data room and on the pitch deck. And, yeah. and then I will make you the, where right now one of my portfolio companies is raising, I made your 80 intros. Who makes your 80 intros? I made your eight zero intros on LP fundraise. Um, look, the, I started fundraising in February and I didn't want to make this like that I go out and raise for one or two years and, and I have an anchor and, and so on. I wish I would have had an anchor. And I wish um, I would be rich for my family because I see this in many other funds. Good for you guys. Um, and, and I'm happy. It doesn't mean it's it's not as good, you know, but in my case, I was like, no, I just want to do it. I did it very entrepreneurial and I yeah. um, also don't want to complain. Uh, right. But it's it's it has been tougher than I thought. <laughs> it's also a challenging environment. So yeah. um, I, I think the category of a solo GP is is somehow to some people new in, in Europe. And then you you need to find your, the right target group, right? An institution is fairly too big for you. Um, yeah. Many family offices that that I would work with at Revaya, or um, they would say the minimum ticket should be 10 million. We don't want to own more than 10%. Or in other things, we want to have a very concise portfolio. We only work with 15 GPs, and this changes every three years. Um, even the, the very big fund on funds have a similar approach where they say we would uh, yeah have work uh, with 15 to 20 and then we uh, exchange one or add one every year, like one one new GP relationship a year. And this is particular, maybe not a small solo GP. If you have a big solo GP and you are Eladil, uh, you know, Oren Ziv, then you're very much interesting to them, um, mm -hmm. but not so much in, in Europe with a smaller fund. So I think you have to, like, like I, I talk to my founders every day on ICP, you know, <laughs> I do a customer profile, like who should you talk yeah. to? No, smaller, make it smaller, smaller. No, exactly. This is where you want to start. And I did a little bit wrong. So I went pumpkin and not snipering. And I wanted to understand like, like what, what are their thoughts? And it was super interesting. I love talking to all the institutionals. I love talking to the fund funds. I love talking to the multi-stage family offices. I'm like, I'm benchmarking, I'm writing down. I want to know what the other funds, how their performance is and where they have invested in and what, what they're thinking. 
and I and I love it, and especially those emerging managers, fund on funds, you know, um, and all these theses, and they, many of them would also argue, and it's great, you know, some of them, these fund on funds, they outperform their own funds, they make uh, uh, five to six x because um, they have three outlier funds in their in their in their VC funds. So it's, it's so interesting and I learned so much. So I want to uh, become an LP now more and more myself investing in emerging managers because I think uh, funds below 50 million, uh, micro nano funds, even smaller, and especially emerging managers, the first and the second fund is the best performing funds for sure. You just need to pick the right ones. That all said, in my particular case, the two categories that really want to work with me are very professionals. Um, so it's often founders or GPs. So people who have been in the scene for 10 years and they run very big firms like multi-billion dollar investment firms or big VCs that they have founded as GPs, general partners, uh, or founders who have built big businesses and understand how to make money in the thing and they want to give back to the ecosystem. And those understand exactly what I just said that Robin is a hustler. He gets, he sees the best deals. He gets into the best deals. He can win deals. And for that reason, we want to be part of the community, but also he has the right LPs. So they want to be part of the community because of the other LPs they want to meet. And so I have so far, I have all my LPs are individuals, one of the two categories and no other yet. Fairly honest, I would love to have family offices. I would love to have multi-family offices. I would love to create this relationship, but um, this takes a long time. And when I started fundraise, I also realized I'm not the typical check the box guy that they want to invest in. So I give you this example. I think if you work for at Index for 10 years, Index and Excel, and now you're saying, I make my own shop, you know, then, mm -hmm. and there are some examples of former Inside and Point Nine uh, people who are amazing. And I love them. And then they went out and they raised a hundred million solo GP, you know, um, with the, can't say the name, but one of the most prestigious uh, fund on fund uh, being invested in them as an anchor. Yeah. And I think this is really great, but it's like, it checks the box on this track record and they would discount you having built a profitable unicorn in the US, they would discount this to zero. For them, it, it doesn't have a meaning. So, because you can't prove, but I also believe that past performance is not future performance. So I personally think this is wrong. So when I start my own, um, when I will start this emerging manager investing, thing that i'm setting up already right now with friends uh mm -hmm. i um yeah i really want to go in those who hustle because when harry stebbing said with another guy that said, why don't you just invest in the best gp having said all this this three million comes from there i'm right now i went one week i then started investing i know i've invested in nine companies and then i didn't fundraise because i only want to do one or the other so i stopped fundraising and i did investing now i have these nine deals and now i'm going back to the market and i'm saying look there's nine deals i know what i'm doing here's my reportings everything is super clean we work private equity niveau on reporting because also people thought maybe i'm because managing money is different to being a founder and now yeah. i wanted to prove that I'm even at managing money better than every than anybody else. <laughs> so that was the ambition again. So I yeah. tried to make very good reportings. I have a LP portal where you can sign in, uh, automated capital calls, onboarding. Everything is fully technologized or digitized, and um, it's a good setup. So and I already have the first markup, and there's two more markups this year to be expected. And and so basically, I, I wanted to prove rolling yeah. closing that this is a good idea to invest in robbing capital it's the harder way um but i also think this is how you have a better performance in the end because you you i really think about everything a hundred times and it has to be super high conviction before i invest mm -hmm. and this again is i i believe why the, the sec the first and the second fund often perform really good
Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's uh, uh, there's a data that is back where emerging fund manager uh, outperforms any other fund manager in the ecosystem, and uh, primarily for three reasons. One, you know, that's something new, so energy is very, very high. Network is very fresh, and then uh, domain expertise is there, and uh, totally aligned on that. Uh, where you know uh, there should be actually more and more funds dedicated towards emerging fund manager there has to be a way because a lot of these institutional funds they just have so much capital that uh, emerging fund manager check sizes become too small for them and uh, well with this robin uh, how has the journey been meaning what are the pros and the cons of being a solo gp i mean there's I, I don't have many cons because, uh, fairly honest, for me, it's different than what other, other people are always saying. It's so lonely. I don't think it's lonely. If you're a CEO and a founder of a company, that's lonely. Why is it lonely? Because you can't tell anyone shit about what's going on, right? So what do you do? You speak to the other CEOs and the other founders of the other companies. So my peers always have been not the employees because with them, yes, I work, but I have the responsibility at the end. And uh, I need to raise money and I need to make sure that there is a, a pay slip and salary at the end of the month for everyone and they have children. And this is, this is, I can't sleep, but I can't tell them that I couldn't sleep and I'm in fear and I have anxiety and, and, and I'm afraid that we won't make the next uh, round, right? I have to stand there in a the town hall and say, we achieved this and we achieved that, but whom am I going to talk to? So I started and I talked to my peers and my, the peers were the other founders. So I've always worked like this for 10 years and now I'm a solo GP and it's the same, not yeah. the same in this, but I'm who and who am I talking to? I talk to other emerging managers, but I spend all my time with the founders. I, I love my founders. You know, I go there. How may I help you today? Do you need this? You want a massage? No, but like, whatever it is, uh, I just call them and it's like, oh yeah, you need talent. You need this. I, I do it. I'm on. Right. And so I keep myself super busy with them and it's this community full of love we have this whatsapp channel um where where we we speak frequently um and exchange uh very openly and 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 try to support one another so i i feel very much uh part of this so to me this kind of being solo or being lonely as a solo gp i i personally don't have for me it's really my dream job so the cons is uh, the process i wake up in the morning i'm super grateful because i take this responsibility and accountability on myself and I can grow into this, you know, it's such a big task and it can grow all the time. I, I last night at 1am, I was couldn't sleep. So I wrote a new newsletter, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so all the time I just do this and I just, and then I just press the button, you know, there's no one, I don't need to give it to comms. I don't need to, there, there is no one else reviewing it. So I can, can just do it. If I feel it should be better then I give it to someone in the community again. So for me personally, um, I, I love the freedom. Uh, I love that, that, that the founders appreciate my flexibility um, and, and that, that I can make it work with them. So ultimately, what I love most about it is just that it's really a product made for founders. This mm -hmm. and, and I love to be part of this product and I love to be at service. So this is the, con the pros and the cons. You know, in the beginning, it's crazy because you walk and you feel like you're in a dark room and you're searching for the light switch. And, and, and you, you want to hold to, to others and you want to ask them how it goes, but no one really knows and, yeah. and no one can help you because there are not so many. And those that I asked, they were busy. And so, yeah, I ended up in, on emerging managers doing it myself. So I have the feeling on founders, founders help each other. I can call any unicorn founder right now. I have an appointment tomorrow. 
But on emerging managers, maybe kind of different breed or VCs are a different breed. And I didn't have so much support, fairly honest, when I started this VC. And now what I do is I want to support the other emerging managers. So I want to do better than I had because now I learned everything. I know how to set up everything. I know where and how to do it. I fund administration, uh, what capital calls, reportings, annual reportings, all of these things. I've done it in France. I've done it now in Germany. Now I want to give back and support the others because it was something that, that, that I didn't receive. So I felt that in VC as a con, me being a solo GP, they were, I didn't feel so much. It's my peers. My peers were the founders. So this is maybe the only part. Got it. Got it. And Robin, if given a chance, uh, you know, what are three funds uh, you would invest in as an LP? I would invest in Gloria Boyerlein. She does exactly the same what I do. One on one. German, mm -hmm. German setup, 50 yeah. or 100 to 600k tickets, B2B SaaS, but she does globally um, and, and would invest anywhere. She's uh, amazing. She's working hard. She has operator and VC background. She's very smart and very thesis driven. Um, so she thinks about the market a lot and, and she is a born investor. Um, well, I, I would say I'm, I'm very, I'm often also a little bit the founder, you know, and for me, it can be like, yeah, we will figure it out <laughs> together. But with Gloria, it's like, she has already, she's very much ahead of, of where the market is going and she had the thesis for everything or not. And I appreciate, um, the, the depth of her thinking. Uh, and I think she does a good job. I would invest in discovery ventures. So this is the X sum up founders. So it's a, it's a, I don't know, five, six billion plus unicorn and they really understand th this market then they found it again they did side gold uh, in accounting and then they sold this they merged this with deal similar to my story so they are shareholders at deal but they haven't cashed out i guess um and deal is pretty big i think it went in one year from 50 to 250 million ARR, right um and and then they decided they want to raise a fund and like me they made a very small first high performing fund and now they had then they made a second and a third i think i don't know um and they have great investments i heard that they really support the founders hands-on because they're founders mm -hmm. and i think for that reason they have a good um performance and and i love the guy and then maybe the next two I could name is maybe just for the reasoning is uh, Ramzi from No Label uh, mm -hmm. Ventures because he invests only in migrants and he's an amazing human being. Or maybe, so he's a solo GP or Bogdan. He is in Romania and he's like the man in East Europe. So if mm -hmm. you want to find another UI path, then he's your man. And uh, he just closed his first time solo GP and I'm very proud he did so successful. So this is four, sorry, you said three, but I think this is four good examples of which three of them are solo GPs and one is a, a smaller fund. Got it. Got it. And Robin, with this, uh, we'll transition into our last part. My co-pilot Alfonso is getting restless. Uh, you know, he's asking uh, to you, Robin, what's your typical day like from, you know, starting from waking up to uh, going to bed? Uh, you will say it's sad, but I love my job, right? So I don't have a family. I don't have kids. I work a hundred hours. I work on Saturdays and Sundays, and I've been doing this for 10 years and I really like it. There's there, you know, people think I'm crazy, but I love it. So I spend all my time with the, with work and with the founders again. Um, but the typical days I, I worked a long time in PST and I had a hundred hours, a uh, hundred flights a year sometimes, you know, um, and sometimes I would fly to San Francisco twice a month. So four flights, I was crazy. So, uh, I, I didn't know in which time zone to be. And, and I was lost. So what I did is I just stayed PST all the time. So I lived wherever I was in PST. Um, and, uh, so in San Francisco time zone and 
I stick a little bit to it. So now I work. Uh, I wake up in the morning at like nine or ten, more, mostly like nine. Then I work two hours. Then I mm -hmm. go to the gym for an hour. Then I go to eat for an hour, mostly related to work. I meet someone for work over lunch. Yeah. Then I work. Then I have dinner, often for work. <laughs> And then I would work again um, after dinner until one or two or three a.m. And then I go sleep. That's the day, the seven yeah. days a week. Yeah. Is there any undesirable part of your day? Something that I that doesn't like. Doesn't enjoy. I mean, I, I have a family. It's my sister. She's five hours from here, and I love her very much. And three has three kids, and I would love to spend more time with her. I have yeah. my father in Hanover. It's three hours from here, and I would love to spend more time. So I try to spend as much time as I can, and I try to drive there as often as I can. But it's just, you know, um, takes a lot of effort what I'm doing here, and a lot of time, and it's time consuming. So sometimes I wish I would have a little bit more time for this. Um, yeah. Uh, and then funny-wise, this whole fund admin thing that everybody hates, I set it up now and it was a goal for me. It was kind of challenging to make this fully automated. And at the beginning, it was kind of, why, why do I have to sit down here and do accounting? But now now it runs itself and now I'm happy that, you know, it was a challenge. So it's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's obviously things that you like doing more and others that you like doing less. I love to spend most of the time with the founders at servicing. But obviously, if you get 100 deals, you need to review them. So and and some people they they love to I have been in ICs and they were like yeah but the market this the market this and they love to you know engineer the fuck out of whatever they want to invest in I'm like if you have discretion of rule of 40 or whatever why don't you just call the founder mm -hmm. you know so uh, everybody has a different uh, different interest and um yeah I I just for me it's sometimes overwhelming and I would love to spend all the time with everyone and I would love to give proper feedbacks, but I don't have 50 people working here who could do this. So this is, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of sad, less desirable you said, but I'm kind of sad that I can't spend more time servicing everyone because I can only service those who I invested in. I, but I would, there are so many great founders that I would love to give more feedback, but I just don't have the time, unfortunately. Got it. I'm very sad about it. Yeah, Robin, seems like, man, you you love uh, doing what you're doing. You seems like you're obsessed with it. And uh, and I'm sure, uh, you know, the journey ahead is going to be fruitful. Uh, and, uh, and I wish you the very best in uh, building out Robin and scaling it and building it, a, you know, a generational uh, outfit out there. Thanks a lot for uh, coming on the pod. I, I had a lot of fun uh, chatting with you and I got to learn a lot from you. It has been my pleasure.